Hey folks, uh, today is a podcast with Lorena and Lara. Uh, I met Lorena through her partner uh, Eduardo from Chicano Batman, and Lorena's pretty awesome. So we've been working with each other, uh, we've been together on different projects that I feature on the website, but uh, we realized as we were talking that we actually have never met each other in person, so it was just a joy to just get to know her and, and um, just have a conversation together um, in shared space, so that was cool. Uh, in our podcast, we talk a lot about art representation and her experience coming from Panama and just the dynamics of Panama as well. Uh, and you'll notice in it, we'll have a new feature on the website that is mostly looking at photography and expression and photo expression. And so a lot of her work will be sort of cementing it and anchoring it. And we'll work from there. All right, folks, we'll enjoy the podcast and I'll talk to you later. Bye. Do, 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 do. What is, oh, that's just, the, I can hear all the outside stuff all of a sudden. Yeah. I didn't hear that. Outside? No, it's, it's gonna fine. be worse. It's gonna be a lot warmer outside too. Yeah. I'll probably sweat my face off. You can take notes. I don't know. Sometimes. Does it help you with this? Yeah. <laughs> like I'll think of something and I don't know. That's cool. <laughs> don't worry about it. Nobody's filming. It's just audio. Okay. All right, Lorena. How's it going? Good. How are you on this hot day? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. It is hot, and uh, when I was very young. So I grew up in Los Angeles, and when I was young, the air quality was a lot worse. And I used to get like nosebleeds and headaches and stuff, and it was just really bad. But now I'm fine. But it's really hot. Yeah. It's really hot. I'm from Panama, and it's always hot. But, but it's humid too, it's right? It's humid, hot. Yeah. So this is really different heat mm-hmm. for me. Is it better? Um. Yeah. It's better. <laughs> <laughs> so I never complain when it's hot. I only when it's cold. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't go to Minneapolis. <laughs> It's, it's too bad. Okay, I won't. Don't do it. Well, unless you guys want to visit me. <laughs> okay, And maybe. it's the summer. The summer. It would be like Panama because it's really humid. Okay. Or, yeah. Uh, so what are you up to these days, Vanilla? Um, A lot of things. I just... Well, today is a special day because oh. a music video I did for the John Armstrong Jazz Orchestra. Yeah. Right, we featured that. Right, exactly. We um, It got nominated for the on-location video award ah. to promote the city of LA ah. so it's weird to have this video that's a short story um, with Eduardo my partners um, his uncle is the main actor that was, that was his uncle okay yeah so it's weird that it's bizarre that he's um, representing yeah. the city of LA to, in, uh, I guess to who who's it being represented to um, it's an award uh for like the the city of LA is sponsoring it. Okay, all right. Yeah, so it's it was nominated and today is gonna be the like the screening. And where's it gonna in be in Hollywood? Okay, and uh, will the screening also include whether it wins the award or? Yeah. Okay. Oh Yeah, shit. there's a lot of prizes and uh, a lot of stuff. So. What time's that gonna be? Is you gonna go there? seven? You're gonna go there? I assume. Yeah, we're gonna go. Shit. gonna well, show all the videos let me know so i could post the results okay yeah but it doesn't mean i just won't say anything <laughs> okay, <thank laughs> <you>. they lost <laughs> just quick note they lost <laughs> moving on yeah um That's it's cool. it's we don't expect it to win just because um it's not your typical city of la promo video mm. um but it's we're excited that it got so far but i, I think it's important too because it's not like I think uh, too often with these sorts of projects, and I'll link to the videos so people can watch it if they want to while we're talking about it. But um, you know, it, it, 
there's Mexican dudes and they have Mexican music, right? Like it's always that cliche. It's always very essentialized. But with you all, with with that project, it's it's this interesting experimental jazz music, juxtaposed against this like very Latino experience in LA. Exactly. Yeah, we we that was the idea, and um, it's a it's a weird, interesting contrast, and it's people like it. That's what I think one of the things they like most about the video. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna see how it goes tonight. Yeah, it's exciting. Wow. So aside from that um, being today, I just started working at a place called Home, an organization in South LA that teaches um, pretty much everything from art, digital media, music, recording, sports, nutrition, mm. urban agriculture, mm. to youth of all ages um, from elementary to high school and prepares them for college and teaches them social skills and give scholarships and internships mm. and everything. So I'm, I'm, um, I'm in charge of the digital media department and it's been... What does that mean? That's really broad, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. Or what's, what's your role in that or what's your preference? Or uh, This semester I'm teaching photography, video, and computer skills. What, is, what does computer skills mean? It's basic typing for little kids. It okay. just sounds how, better. Yeah, how old are they? Um, the, the elementary computer skills they're like eight oh. to ten, and they're already getting behind the camera. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And do they have just cameras there? They have years? a lot of. They get a lot of good donations, so we have really nice Sony cameras to uh. work with, um, and tripods and everything. Uh, they have an amazing recording mm. studio, uh, so we work together between all the departments, and yeah, they're they're doing video stuff, photography. Um, next semester, I'm going to do my own classes, so I would do different stuff. Like, like what? Uh, I want to do um, like a zine making workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a zine fest in LA every year, too. Yeah? My friend put together. Beatriz okay. Baragon, I think, is mm-hmm. her name. Cool. Yeah, people like their zines. Yeah. Uh, more multimedia things. Right now, I feel like the video classes are a little too advanced for elementary yeah. kids. It's hard to get them to write a story. Yeah. Um, but we're gonna get some iPads, so do more interactive storytelling things and um, explore their community, their world, um, talk about things that are going on in the world, and explore that through multimedia. Is that is that related to the project we did, we uh, I posted before about the children's books? It is in a way that can be one of the. Or was that housed there, or was that? No, that was different. Okay, but that's still uh, part of your pedagogy. Yeah, uh, that those video books, Eduardo and I created um, with youth from um, South LA and Lafayette Park through the Summer Night Lights program. Okay, and they do that every year, and we've worked there both of us for two years, um, and then we made up this curriculum to get the the participants to write stories illustrate them narrate them and record them and ideally uh they would have done sound effects and done mm-hmm. the music but that's, that's too much yeah that was a little too <laughs> you guys are a little too ambitious sometimes this yeah, is crazy a little bit. But the music, that, the cool part was that... Oh, the way it worked out is even better. Yeah, so we got all our friends' yeah. bands to do it. And so now we have, uh, we work together with all these wonderful bands like Chicano Batman, Brain Story. Uh, the Commons are doing a video book. Um, Eduardo Arenas did one. And 
So let's uh, describe one of the books. We'll go back to your school in a second. But um, so I posted those storybooks too, and and they're probably the most adorable thing ever. So what what's one of them? Do you remember one of them? Uh yeah, one of them is a portrait of a superhero, where kids um, imagine a superhero, and talk about their special powers and their history and just what comes out of that. Their imagination um, is just so interesting they they talk about the power of love (laughs) and um, kindness and keeping your neighborhood safe so it's just really basic things that make you a hero and and kids know that they you know they know what they already have like a compass for what what matters to them and what good things are and a sense of justice even that early on exactly so seeing that and then their drawings and their their stories and it's just really beautiful, and then it was a perfect way to get Chicano Batman to write the score for them. And it, and so the and they were all hand drawn, so it's like stop motion, it's like one frame and then another frame. And yeah, uh, we tried, we animated some of them, but it's just illustrations. And what I think to me, what makes it so adorable is that it's it's the children's illustration, so it's their hand, and it's and it's, it's sort of like. Um, it's the rawness of their hand too, right? They're not seasoned artists, and there's right. something really important in that too. And and they're narrating the story, and it's hilarious because they're like, you know, they're like screaming <laughs> into the microphone because they're not used to modulating their voices yet. You know, it's oh, it's just hilarious. It's so good. Yeah, a lot of it is their first time playing, talking anything. to a microphone. Yeah. Uh, that's really exciting for them. Mm-hmm. The idea that they're going to be on YouTube is exciting too they're they want to be famous they want to be <laughs> they want to be internet famous yeah mm. <laughs> just like the rest of us yeah so uh that's something that that's really important and we um for us the main idea was to use something that they're used to like youtube and the internet world it's already familiar to them yeah and yeah. they i mean they're they're in it they were born in it so taking that and then getting something that might be boring to them like story writing or narrations and then combining the two so it would be um more interesting and then also it serves as a as a video book like it's it's um a great educational tool because you can read it and hear it Mm -hmm. at the same time Mm -hmm. and you know maybe some kids don't have someone to read to them but Mm -hmm. they can go on youtube and or read to them in english yeah exactly that too it was certainly for for me growing up with my Spanish speaking parents, that would have been really useful just to hear and start like getting used to the sounds. And mm-hmm. That would have been nice. Yeah, so we have a collection of like five, six of them. Mm-hmm. We hope to build on that. Yeah, and they're on the website. I will also link to that. Yes. Know, we've worked on a lot of stuff together. Yeah, I, just I didn't realized. realize that. Either. <laughs> yeah, it was good. We're finally meeting. <laughs> Uh, and I don't want to get into your, your partner stuff too much because this is about you, but uh, I think also I think it's also just really interesting and, and useful to to because these are all Eduardo has so many different types of projects. He's not just Chicano Batman. He's not just the bassist, you know. And I think it's a, it's also just nice for people to be aware that he's someone that's really grounded in the community and does a lot of work with different types of folks and supports people. And you play a key role in that and, and helping sort of work all that out. It seems. Yeah, uh, we love working together. That's why we started Producciones Con Sal. We realized, kind of just like we realized right now, we had been working on a lot of things together. We had these video projects and all these ideas. And then we decided, like, okay, let's just put them all together, put a name on it, and put them on the website. And 
we started Producciones con Sal and it's been growing. Uh, two weeks ago, we just did a workshop with the Department of Family and Children's Services. Mm -hmm. And that was a really good experience getting uh, youth to make their own music video. Mm. It was a two hour workshop, really um, fast, intense. That's a lot to cover in two hours. Yes, it was. It was difficult. So we, do, are, do they already have some film editing background, or are you also just needing to deal with that too? No, well, the that's a lot. No, they didn't do the editing. Okay. It was just they. Ha uh, we had a station. It? We had a station where Eduardo was. They made the beat, and um, from zero started so making not, the beat. You're talking about it's like creating music and making a video for that music. Yes, that's crazy. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we tried to make it as simple as possible. So. They started out in a station, writing the beat. Uh, once we had that, we exported it really fast. And then the <laughs> rest <did>. of the <laughs> students, <laughs> the rest of the students um, started writing to it and made drawings. So, and then Eduardo continued um, developing the beat. So he's busily mixing, they're creating the... Yeah, the they're adding for layers and, wow. and rhythm and... Percussion. Like a, just a really frenetic experience. Yeah. And then I'm on the other side with <laughs> we, our friend Federico Suñiga. Mm. Uh, and he was getting them to write too and do drawings. And so then when everything was ready, we exported the song again, got the kids to line up in front of a green screen, and they would <laughs> sing their song. Oh my God. They would rap. And had they written the song beforehand? Or they no, just, they, they also wrote the song. <laughs> in yeah, too? yeah. It was about how they imagined their life in twenty five years. Oh wow! So which, is, was, which is always a really touching question for urban youth, right? Yeah, Especially, for anyone. Right, but like it, it, certainly, and I think well, like, the folks I grew up with, like, or some of the folks I grew up, not all the folks I grew up with, a lot of folks I grew up with went to college are aspirational, and then not that these folks aren't. Folks I grew up with, some of which uh, were in gang culture, and they just didn't imagine themselves past five years, right? They didn't realize they'd be alive. Yeah, so it's really great to see their answers and, and their comments. And I mean, some of them wrote, I'm going to be in jail, but yeah. at least they're reflecting on it and talking about it and, and sharing with other people. And they were all together um, in this. There was 100 youth participating. Wow. Not all of them wrote. Not all of yeah, them wanted so to. Yeah, also be insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so they got in front of the green screen and the camera and they were singing. And what we're going to do is um, today, if I have time before the, yeah. the video award, is start editing their work and uh, put their drawing in their background. So they're okay. going to be uh, singing and the music video is, is going to be that. Their, their music, their song, and their drawing in the background. And then uh, the only thing is, um, I'm, telling about you that, I'm telling you about this, but... Uh, the Department of Family and Children's Services told us we can't share it so with the general public. It's going to be just an internal for them, the music video, because a lot of the kids are in courts or, I mean, have to go through courts mm. or are going through these processes and so can't, we can't, can't go, share it. can't go public? No. Because they're all public. precarious legal situations. Yes. Wow. But it's a, it's a really exciting um, collaboration and they really like working with us and we like working with them so it's gonna it's a growing relationship I we're excited about contract basis too right yeah, yeah. um one of the one of the other things that i'm working on super low-key or not low-key but something i'm working on in the background is uh beginning putting together like a latino chicano latino music festival or uh, film festival and I, i'd want to have something like that where it's like categories for youth just to like 
always, again, like affirm the work that they're doing. So that's not, I guess in this case it wouldn't be public, but in other cases, just to make sure that like, this is going to go somewhere. You're not just doing an exercise just to do an exercise. Like, I want you to think about this as something you can possibly do and push yourself to be better at it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think one way to do that is to feature it at the film festival, create an environment of enthusiasm and energy around it and just like feature all of them wherever it is that we do this. Yeah. It sounds excellent. Yeah. We have a, we have a, there's a really old uh, theater attached to a Mexican restaurant in South Minneapolis that we're looking to, to work with. Um, so that's kind of where the basis of the idea comes from. And I like, I like film and I'm not doing as much film as I used to, but I still want to be a part of film dialogues and, and talking about films. I love it. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is one way for me to still be a part of the community without actually, actually having to produce and take the time to produce. Were you a producer? No, I mean, I just, I made my own documentaries and little projects just for myself and mm-hmm. then submitted them to festivals and I got a couple of them featured. Cool. So, yeah. It's exciting. Do a lot of things. <laughs> we all do a lot of things. Yeah. Right? This, the, and that's the, probably the funnest part of getting to know all these different musicians is getting to know all their different hustles. Yeah. Because we all have just a shit ton of hustles. Yeah, that's true. I just um, got this job and people ask me, oh, what were you doing before? And I was like, oh, I was landscaping at <laughs> Jim Carrey's house. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like the actor Jim Carrey? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I work with this famous celebrity landscaper here and like that's something I love and know a lot about is edible yeah. gardening and landscaping oh, okay. so I just came from that to like this other different um, passion that I have and I mean yeah. that's photography and multimedia stuff so and yeah and how things, yeah well, exactly how things communicate yeah and I go through that a lot and Eduardo knows like um, all some weeks ago or months ago I said I want to go back to being a photographer I think that's what I really am like a photographer and so I go through these spaces where <laughs> I like to explore new things and learn new things and I teach myself these things like I learned editing but, and it'll video. all improve your photography like it all yeah, exactly. feeds into everything else so I, I like teach myself new things but then I'll and then I'm distracted for some years and then I'm like okay I have to be a photographer again <laughs> <laughs> so that's like your base home yeah yeah and ever since, it's crazy, the day I said that, the next day, I um, was invited to participate in Guatefoto. That's a huge international right. Right, photo yeah, festival in Guatemala. So it's just like... When is that going to be? It's in November. Um, next month? Yeah, next month. I'm going to try to go. We'll see. Um, I'd want to go to that too. Yeah, you should come. Okay. It's uh, three weeks of just photography. Wow. Yeah, international, amazing photographers, and uh, it's just going to be a really good experience. Yeah, I was, my PhD work was on Guatemala, so I, I have a lot of, a lot of, I mean, there's all these tattoos around Guatemala. A lot of my attachment, I have a, lot, a strong attachment uh, toward Guatemala. And I've been wanting to go back, and that'd be a fun reason to go back. So. Yeah, is that where you're from? No, my family's Mexican. I just okay. um, ended up spending a lot of time there and documented it. That was my first documentary project, was about a massacre in Guatemala, the community that I was working with. Um, so that just it's kept me really focused on that. Yeah. And then so now I do. Uh, I'm an expert witness for asylum cases for folks that are coming from Guatemala. They're seeking political asylum. So I help them out. Oh wow. Yeah. And a lot of just you know just a lot of bad situations, a lot of you know rape and unaccompanied minor things, gang violence. That You're also a therapist, then? No, no not I'm therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I will never be a therapist. <laughs> uh, but it is a lot of casework, you know, because yeah. you're. And it's it's very gentle work because and mostly with the lawyers I have to teach them how to ask questions because mm-hmm. they're just like Be why sensitive. yeah just like yeah this is an indigenous person doesn't know what the hell you're talking about not that they're not because I'm like 
the interpret the first interpretation, and this is the interpretation that's sort of informed by bigotry and racism, is that this indigenous person's ignorant, doesn't understand my questions, they must be stupid. Yeah. And it's like, well, what kind of questions are you asking? Yeah. You're asking really legalistic questions that are based in the United States framework of law. Like, why would they know that? Mm-hmm. If you ask them questions based around their realities, yeah. yeah. Or we'll even get, your tone of voice, your body voice. language. Yeah. And if it's about rape, why do you have a dude yeah. talking to them? Like, no, that's not how you do these things. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had to just work them through that and. I like to spend time with the client just to make them comfortable and make them let them know that they're being supported because otherwise yeah, I feel really isolated. So, so I would love to go to Guatemala. Okay, and yeah, check, it's, and check out photos. Uh, I think November twelfth to the twenty something. Okay. All right, I'll think about it. <laughs> or not want to do it, but see if I can work it out. Yeah, I'm. I'm still trying to work it out. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No, I mean, I think. Um, I think for those of us that like doing different projects, like when I apply to jobs, my resume to a person that doesn't have imagination looks really scattered. But if you really look at it and listen to me describe it, like there is a very consistent thread, right, of exploration, of like social justice and other elements that I think an employer has to be a little bit out of the box or um, has to have the right political imagination to see how it all comes together. Yeah, I just went through that. Uh, I applied for a job and they asked me like, oh, you seem to go from one thing to another. Like, yeah. is that a lifestyle choice? <laughs> That's such a fucking ignorant <laughs> way to think about it. You know? like, yeah, but I learned my lesson. And then when I applied for this job, they asked me the same thing in my interview. And I was like, oh, well, it's it's because I moved here and I didn't have work visa. And I just yeah. like explained it in a different way. But yeah. <laughs> people ask that all the time. Right. At least now I'm smart enough to talk about the contracting work and the nature of contracting work because people don't always know that either. It's like, no, I get a short-term contract and I get another one. This is the way it's designed. It's not because I'm skittish or like uncommitted. It's just this is the way it works. Yeah, the same here. <laughs> yeah. And the website, I've been doing it for almost two years. Like, this is a commitment. I do it and I work on it. And you can see my progression and what I've done. So I like to use that to describe how I work with stuff. Yeah, same here. I have to fill in some dates sometimes in my curriculum, but it's just kind of the nature of... Um, also, for me, it's about that balance of making enough money where I can be okay and survive and then doing the things that I really want to do. Sure. So if I have that balance, I'm not you know, too worried about my career or this or that. Yeah. It's just a day-to-day thing. Um, but yeah, that doesn't always look good on paper, but... Yeah, I mean, and I think it speaks to, like... I think everyone, most people I've met in my life have, like, a project they wish they would have done, or... Uh, and, and I think and I think when we when we approach these people about, like, hiring us or being a part of their lives, the anxiety of, of the sort of life that we live is what makes... Is what is the hard part. Like, just me going to Minneapolis, like, scares the shit out of people in LA. They're like, why would you do that? That's crazy. I'm like, no, it's just... I'm just following my journey, man. Like, just let me do what I want, you know? And I think so people are projecting that exactly, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that that happens a lot. And uh, actually, uh, Eduardo, my partner, he's out today um, finishing his album, his own solo project. Mm. And there's a song in there about that. Oh, so. good. All right. <laughs> How appropriate. <laughs> um, I, haven't, I don't think I've... I know about his other side talks, but I didn't realize he was doing a solo job, too. Yeah, he's trying to finish his album um, today. No, tomorrow's his last deadline. He's, <laughs> he's had a couple of deadlines throughout the years, but 
He said that if he doesn't finish on Sunday, he's gonna pay a hundred dollars to to who to, to me? <laughs> no, to me <laughs> for putting up with all this. Um, no, to production <laughs> consultory company. Okay. So uh, he just has like tiny little things to add to it. Every time he listens to it, I think he wants to change a little thing. Yeah, he has here to figure out how to say goodbye to it and just be like, "This yeah. is done. This is complete." But these are old uh, old songs that. I think he has some from like 2006 mm. all the way to like 2013. And I keep telling him he needs to finish it so that he can write new songs and beat, like I'm saying, you have to welcome yourself to the present. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're all, all this is from the past. Like you just welcome to the present and, and make new stuff. And, and to have clear statements so that each pro- project sounds distinct people can appreciate it in that way too because if you have that kind of time range it's too, it's too many influences and too many changes which i think is, is okay for like a debut album but then afterward you have to just have distinct base statements yeah well you'll you'll hear a lot of different stuff <laughs> in this album yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah all right yeah i'll talk to him about that too i have to talk to him about some other stuff i'll include that in my list of things well he, he said he was gonna fix a radiator as well. yeah all he's right. gonna fix the radiator in his car and then go to, to his studio <laughs> Where's the studio? In El Monte. Okay. Yeah. Huh. I grew up in Montebello. It's pretty near mm-hmm. El Monte. Um, uh, what? So tell me about uh, Producciones Gonzal. Producciones Gonzal is uh, an audio-visual company, production company that Eduardo and I started in, I think it was 2011. And um, we, it's, it's really special for us. It's a lot of, like, all the things that we can both do together, like audio recording, mixing, sound engineering, multimedia work, photography, video. Um, and then we collaborate and do it with a lot of love and make these projects and just, you know, try to try to do great new things and and make cool work and so the and the so the jazz project what that was through Producciones Gonzalez yeah the, okay. the jazz music video and then we just did a a music video for Brain Story okay good um Eduardo did the mixing for all their album and I did the music video for one of their songs Old Valley so that's just an example of how we work together yeah it's a beautiful thing yeah it is what other sort of projects do you work on with Producciones uh, we've done the video books, uh, a couple music videos. Right now, we're focusing on Eduardo's album coming out. And then I'll go through that company. Okay. Yeah, like the, I mean, the artwork and and the, we're working. He, we're doing about three music videos mm. together. Mm. Yeah. For, for that album. For that album, wow. we have one already for a song called La Gartija, and then we have another idea for. Um, for another song called Corriendo en Circulos and we are working we already started on a music video for Fantasia mm. that a lot of people already know uh, through Chicano Batman okay. but Eduardo originally wrote that song in, uh, in Nariz his new album he's gonna uh, use the original version okay so it'll just be him by himself mm-hmm. oh interesting that'll be fun and he'll be singing, presumably he'll be singing everything. Yes, he will. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's fun. 
I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Johnny last night from uh, at Hurukuroi because they were performing at Mariachi Plaza. And uh, he was like talking about this other project that he's working on, this other type of music. And I'm like, man, how do you guys like keep trying? I mean, I guess I do some of this. Like, I, I also work on a lot of different projects, but it's just like, how do you? I don't know. I, I somehow think that like writing is easier than music. And so, like, it just seems overwhelming to me that you can work on so many different types of bands and projects and gigs and, and different things. Yeah, that's for me, it's I have, if you see that list right there, the white paper, those are all the projects I'm working on right now um, that I need to finish. They're mm-hmm. ideas that I already started and I just need to finish. There's like 12 of them. So I kind of work like that too. I mean, sometimes there's a project that takes me four or five years to finish mm. just because I don't focus it and do just that. Because there are a lot of things going There's on. There's a lot of things yeah. and I have a lot of ideas and want to do all of them. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, if this... Um, well, any, and I think... Uh, I probably can't say too much about this, but there's always a couple of projects where I start doing it and I put a lot of energy into it and I talk to people and everyone seems excited and it just doesn't go anywhere. And it's, and it's like, it's also like teaching yourself the discipline of like walking away from something and then knowing that there's other things that or just as fulfilling and just as interesting and giving those energy in life. Yeah. yeah, there's still, you can learn from the process and I'm sure it's, it'll influence other things you yeah. do. It's, it's never just like one end result. Yeah. And that makes everything okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> everything informs everything. Yeah. Right. And as long as we're pushing ourselves and challenging ourselves, so everything's going to be better. Yeah. For me, it's important just to stay inspired hmm. and just be on that. Stay inspired um, stay positive, stay inspired. And, um, so what, what about, uh, for filmmaking, where did that start for you? When did you start picking up a camera? Uh, I had an interest for a long time. Just something I, I was doing photography. I've been doing photography since I'm like 17, 18. And, uh, at one point I think I said something like, Oh, I, I'm, I would like to do some video stuff. And Eduardo gave me my first video camera. It was mm. a little flip camera. Mm-hmm. And I was just filming everything all the time. And we, uh, one of the music videos that were the, for his album, like I think I used that flip camera to film it. It was a long time ago. Mm. And the flip camera stopped working, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, pretty, they're pretty flimsy. I've continued to do video, and um, I've been shooting. I, I sort of... That's what I do is um, just something I'm interested in. I'll shoot things to practice or like I'll invent a project kind of just to practice and learn. And then, you know, I'll just keep working on it. And mm-hmm. uh, I'll YouTube, Google, or uh, look on the internet how to do the things that I want to do and teach myself. I, I kind of taught myself all the video stuff and video editing. So you taught editing. yourself linear editing? Yeah. What do you, do you use Final Cut? I use Final Cut. Have you used Final Cut X? Mm, yes, but I didn't like it. You didn't like it? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, that's what everyone says. I actually, I felt the same way. And then uh, a filmmaking, so there's two women I work with, or I knew, I know that are in San Fernando. They do a lot of just commercial and their own creative projects. And uh, they convinced me that you have to get over the hump of Final X. And then you get more comfortable with it. Yeah. So I have. I think it's better. Yeah. I've gotten, yeah, I like it now. Yeah. Maybe I'll give it a try. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have an old one. I think Final Cut 6 or 7. Yeah. And that's what I use. And 
I like it. Whenever I I don't know how to do something, I'll I'll look it up. And right now on my list is to learn After Effects. Mm. Yeah, it's a good idea. I don't know. I don't mess with that stuff either. I just I just linear edit it. And I play with music and that's it. Yeah. And um, I don't know. There's something really important about being minimal to me, but then also I should learn how to do other things. Mm. But who has the time, Lorena? I don't know. Who has the time? I, I sure don't. I don't yeah. either. Yeah. So, uh, so you and I have been talking about doing this kind of pretty simple project, but I think it'll be fun uh, of of uh, taking photos of murals and then uh, having a hashtag that's, it's actually already exists people already use it and we could just add to that right supplement it of uh, mural Mondays and try to get people to you know take photos of different things all over wherever they live uh, that, that I guess follow my Instagram account or the website and then see what comes out of that and then pluck those out and then create like a post of people's stories around their murals I think it'll be fun you already submitted some photos to me so I gotta get those out Every week, every Monday, I fill bags. I'm like, oh shit, I forgot again. Damn it. So, yeah. So, describe. Do you remember some of the photos you took already? Yeah, I do. Uh, there were a lot of murals that I see a lot. Uh, one is on Alameda Street. Uh, the other one is in Lincoln Heights, and I think another one in Chinatown. That I forget the name of the artist, but he um, created it with dynamite, mm. exploding parts parts really? of the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was fun to take those pictures for you, uh, the murals. I I mean, there's so many murals in L.A. I kind of make yeah. fun of murals a lot. Not of murals, but I think like every L.A. band, every band in L.A. has a picture of themselves in front of a mural. <laughs> That's and probably I, true, yeah. Yeah, so I always make fun of that, but um, it was it was fun to just take pictures of the murals. And not worry about the band. Not worry about people in front of them. Yeah, that's, that's funny. That's good. That works. Uh, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, and it's, it's certainly something that, uh, as I've lived outside of Los Angeles longer and longer, I really miss. I miss that, like, that visual aesthetic of just seeing these impressions on walls all over the city. And when I grew up, where I grew up in, in Montebello, there was a lot more gang activity. And so you saw the graffiti on the walls, too, which is at one level threatening, and but then one level very comforting and aesthetically pleasing. And it's a really, it's a really complicated relationship to to the sort of discourse in graffiti, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, now that I'm in South LA a lot, uh, I drive by going to work and uh, I still get lost going to work, so I get to see <laughs> a lot of uh, new murals every time. Yeah, a lot of tagging probably too. Yeah, also yeah. that. Yeah. Well, and one thing I learned in jail too is is that um, the tagging crews and folks that just tag that aren't part of gangs, they get they get the shit kicked out of them. They really don't like them. The other inmates really just have a problem with them. And I don't entirely understand why, but uh, that's really something that really struck my attention quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I think the other the other thing that you identified too in the in the initial photos is um is that uh, a lot of stores just have like have random murals on their wall. That may be like about the store and like commercial or just like some other random thing that's just relevant to them. Yeah, those are my favorite murals. Um, I think I mentioned that there's so many seafood restaurants with beautiful, <laughs> big ass prawn or something. Beautiful seafood murals, yeah, right, yeah, right. Uh, just under the sea stuff, <laughs> animals, and just completely wild murals and. A lot of old stores. I guess that's how they used to advertise, and mm. some of those murals still exist. But yeah, I love the the supermarket and the seafood murals. Mm. 
Yeah, they were interesting. I wonder, it'd be fun to find whoever, I'm sure like there were a small crew of folks that made those things. It'd be fun to talk to them and just interview them and be like, why did you put that big prawn on that wall? <laughs> Especially here in Chinatown where there's so many like, different seafood joints and distributors and wholesalers and whatever. There's a lot of graffiti that supports that too, or a lot of murals that support that. Yeah, I think you can trust whoever has the best advertising, <laughs> the coolest looking shrimp. You can trust their their products the are product, gonna be yeah. good. Yeah, right, right, right. That's probably a good point. Yeah. Um, and then so so this um, so we're we're interviewing at your at your apartment with your that you share with your partner. So this is particularly relevant for me because the first interview I did once I realized I wanted to do the website was with them. Was with Chicago Batman in the in the backyard, and um, and it was made a lot of sense to do it in the backyard because there's a bunch of us. But then also we started sinking into the dirt because the dirt's really like loose, and that was just part of the podcast. We were like, oh shit, we're like disappearing. Oh my god. But yeah, so I really appreciate just having you know just coming in the circle. Oh, you're always welcome here. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So nice. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Um. Maybe about photography, like it's just something that came to mind, or I was gonna say, and I didn't have a chance to say. Good. So yeah, another thing that's really special for me is this year through my photography, I've uh, had been to a lot of places. Uh, my work was just in India, mm. and in uh, it's gonna be in Guatemala, and then it was featured uh, through the site that promotes work from Latin America and then two shows in New York uh, so mm. it's it's been a it's amazing it's been a good year my what? next step is to actually go, go to, to all these places they don't bring you out no they don't nah. so you're awesome Bad enough part. to take their, take their your photograph is awesome enough to that they'll display it but not awesome enough so they have a budget to bring you out yeah no I don't I mean I think with photography it doesn't usually do work often. like that okay. no it's not like musicians or, or art or artists yeah. we'll bring you out yeah um, so is there is there a specific um, thread of photography that they're focusing on or is it just kind of your your whole sort of collection that they're piecing away from uh, some of them have been group shows where I'll just show maybe one image and then some of them um, I had been able to show at least, you know, a more of a, a sample of my work. So I have one of the bodies of work that has been going around is a, a series of images from Panama. That's where I'm from. Mm -hmm. And it focuses on development and progress and what these ideas are and what progress means and who is the progress for mm -hmm. and um, kind of all the promises and a lot of times the failures of these ideas and so how these are shown through the landscape and it's a I have this body of work and it's just landscape images there's there's no people in the in the um, photographs a lot of animal ima images or animal um, representations are in the in the photographs mm -hmm. and that kind of um, represents or takes over people mm. and um, yeah that's that's that body of work I that's the one I'm exhibiting in Guatemala later this year because mm. I think I think um, 
the idea of development is so central to how people perceive and inter- interact with Latin America, right? Like, there's always conversations about the Jaroyo and like how do we improve, and a lot of that's really coded, especially in Guatemala. It's a lot of that's about like making indigenous people not indigenous and Hispanicizing them and having them become part of the state and ripping away their heritage and traditions. And for folks that want to hold on to what their heritage is, they're considered to be like anti-development or anti-modernity, which isn't entirely accurate either. But I think I think you have to be in Latin America to really feel the anxiety and tension around the term development and what that is. It seems like. Yeah, and in Panama, it's I mean it's weird. It the the idea is to turn Panama into the Dubai of the Americas. What What does that mean? <laughs> so there's all these. Because the banking. Yeah, the banking, yeah. the canal. There's a lot of Panama is really a, a really really rich country because of all the money that comes in. It's just the um, distribution is uh, so extreme. Spew, yeah. yeah, it's. I think um, Panama is the second worst distribution of income in all of Latin America. I think Brazil is the first, and really? then it comes Panama. In terms of inequality. Yeah, yeah, inequality. That's what I meant. Um, and Panama, they, they always say Guatemala is really high too, but yeah, I mean, I think maybe they. Close. They're all really close. Because Nicaragua is not as bad because everyone's just really poor and there's a couple of rich folks, but yeah, there's not as much wealth in general. Yeah, the thing is in Panama there is a lot of wealth and you see it. It's a lot really of international obvious. Money too. A lot, and then there's a lot of people from the U.S., Canada, and Europe moving. Really? Yeah, and they buy all the land that was used for agriculture, and then farmers will sell their land because it's a lot of money. But then they realize, oh, they can't buy land anywhere else. They, right. Where do you go? end up in the city being poor and it's a it's a cycle that keeps on going uh, and then what i was saying in panama they want to develop it to be dubai of the americas it's just huge buildings like there's a trump tower there's all these buildings that are in dubai there's like a copy of them in panama really they're doing those fake islands really uh, yeah wow they did that uh and it's just weird that like that's the they're they're copying all these things that you know that the especially like those fake islands they everyone knows they're already sinking the ones in dubai like mm-hmm. why would you do this all these crazy thing? soccer stars are buying they already are sinking yeah in oh, dubai wow. and like oh you're you're just gonna do the same thing like, yeah because like panama got really um on people's radar in the 80s and with noriega and how much how much drug money was being funneled through panama so they're just using that same model of like trafficking shit ton of illicit cash and just making it yeah, there's a lot of money laundering. Yeah, right, money laundering, that's the term. Yeah, right, and that was what, and then the CIA was deeply involved in that. They were yeah. encouraging, perhaps doing it themselves. Yeah, they were, they were involved, they were doing it until... Um, Noriega himself was a CIA operative, he was on their payroll. Yeah, he was trained by the School of the Americas, right. um, put there, and then um, the CIA wanted, uh, there was a thing with the the contract with the canal that if Panama was um, Panama didn't have the ability to protect itself then the US could just come yeah take over and and have its military bases there for an indefinite amount of time yeah like a longer period of time Mm. so they invaded the country they bombed and killed about a hundred thousand they bombed in 
right before Christmas in 89. So it was, you know, a period of time where people were really not focused on, you know, getting ready for war. It's just like it's Christmas time. And then um, they killed so many innocent people, destroyed neighborhoods. And they did it like, oh, because we have to take Noriega out. But that wasn't true. They it was wanted, about the canal zone. Yeah, it was about um, mm. creating a, a state of terror and fear and being able to take advantage of that and be in power there for longer. One, and one of the other reports that came out during that armed confrontation was also the, the amount of experimental weapons that the U.S. was using. Uh, against civilian populations so not just like biological warfare but it's like sound machines and different sorts of weapons that uh, hadn't been used in warfare to that time and i had as far as i know largely haven't really been used either yeah the the bombing in in panama was really just training for the war in kuwait and i think and i think um you know having been a scholar on on guatemala and central america generally like there's so little attention paid to those countries like to honduras that's all Panama, uh, a little more to Costa Rica because there's so many Europeans there, I think. Um, but it's certainly there's a need to like pay more attention to these areas because so much of what U.S. foreign policy, like Guatemala, became the training ground for what was done um, in in the rest of the Americas, like the, or the rest of the world, right? It was where they perfected and figured out how to topple regimes, and that's what they did thereafter. Yeah, know, similar to Panama. Yeah, exactly, and throughout the world. Um, there's that book by Naomi Klein, Klein yeah, The Shock, Shock Doctrine. Doctrine. Yeah. Um, and it's just the kind of repeated um, creating a state of terror and then using that to, to carry do out. What you want. Yeah, do what you want. Yeah. It's really sad. Yeah, yeah. And it's our people. It's, it's people yeah. that we're connected to that yeah, are families taking the brunt of those. Yeah. I, don't know. I mean, I. I mean, Guatemala, like, you can feel it. If you're an attentive person, you feel, like, the pain is in people's eyes because they've lost family. And in a lot of cases, they... And this is the this is the really difficult part for indigenous communities that they can't bury their dead because they don't know where their dead are. And so they also can't validate that they died. And so the grieving process is completely skewed and an entire generation is lost because they can't... They can't pay the appropriate homage to their loss. Yeah. People. It's really sad. Um, in Panama, I say we suffer from... Amnesia, is that how you say it? Yeah, historical amnesia. Yeah, because, I mean, Americans are still just, they're welcome there. They buy land, they build their houses, yeah. they get into All those politics. Communities. Yeah. They get into politics too? Yeah. Like, like know. they run for stuff? No, but, I mean, they're involved. Oh, like pay for things. And yeah. Like yeah, they have a lot of influence. And that's the tricky thing, because, like, in Guatemala too, like, uh, if you're a person that cares about what these issues are, you want to untangle the influences of different types of companies and drug trafficking, you just get killed. Like, that's it. There's there's no ambiguity about that. And so we can't ask those questions and we can't dissect and we can't investigate and we can't bring to light those different concerns. Yeah. Another artist that talks about this is um, been, it's a friend, my Ellen O'Hara, O'Hara Slavic. She made this book, beautiful book, where she paints uh, an image of every country that the U.S. has bombed mm. throughout history, and she imagines and represents, like makes, paints a map with the with the violence and the mm. bombings, and you go through it, and you, I mean, it's hard. It's you can't imagine all this has happened in the last I don't know forty, fifty yeah. years. 
know, the weight of it is, is and then having ta- you know I was TAing when I was a grad student and, and uh, so you start talking about US foreign policy and all the these young white US American kids are are just stuck right they're like oh, I can't believe we did this yeah I was like okay that's a good place to be it's good to be concerned but like I need you to move past that and I need you to think about what your relationship to this is and to take yeah. seriously that you are complicit in this yeah um, I I can't believe when people say like oh but we ha- we had to do it and right. they have all these weird ways to justify that they had some moral reason to do it and if they didn't do it like they would be blamed for not doing it it's yeah no one of the things I learned uh, having spent some time with heroin addicts different types of people with addictive personalities or addictive diseases is uh, you rationalize in order to protect your addiction and when I hear youth and other people use that sort of language to rationalize why the U.S. does what it does, it just it sounds like an addiction to me. Mm-hmm. That we're addic- addicted to violence and addicted to killing other people for our benefit. Yep. And then it's like um, you see games like Call of Duty and yeah. you see all these things. Like, it's real life. It's, it's not a game. Yeah, I was walking down the street yesterday and I saw like like in the storefront, I was like, you, AK-47 toys, like Uzis. And I was just like, man. We just don't stop, do we? Yeah, I hate those. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, that's a good. <laughs> <laughs> Thought we're all depressed now. That's how I roll, though. <laughs> you know, this is a this is a good representation of just my personality. We jump around from different yeah. things and cover really light and beautiful things, and then cover just where we're from. We're from we're from like we're we're at the same time. As Latinos, right, we're from beautiful people and beautiful places that are also marred in a lot of violence and a lot of things that are out of our control. And that's the tragedy and the beauty that we live in. Yeah. All right. Um, is there anything you want to leave us with before we cut off? We're almost to the hour. I uh, just want to say thank you, Filiberto, for your time and... Uh, you being here and the support throughout these years and I'm excited mm. to see how this is going to keep growing and uh, you know anything can happen from here yeah I think um, yeah as well and I think um, we're all whether we communicate daily or not we're all in this together and it's a it's interesting it's interesting what it's becoming and I'm, we're not anywhere close to reaching the apex either like there's a lot more shit yeah. to do and I'm excited for it yeah. You know, and I don't need venture capitalists or anything else to do what I'm doing, and I'm excited that I can do it that way as well. But we gotta figure it out. Yes. Yeah. Our voices matter, and our voices aren't anywhere else. Yeah, we're gonna keep talking about this, and um, yeah, it's it's. I mean, your support is really important because you, I mean, you make this space available where we can show things and people have access to them and. Um, not everyone's always so welcome to to show these kinds of stories mm. and projects. So mm. I, I thank you for that. Yeah, thanks. Alright, uh, have a good day. You too. Uh, uh, not congratulations, I guess, but good luck. <laughs> thank you. Tonight. I'll let you know. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Alright, have a good day. Bye.